welcome back to Cottonmouth Manchester, the podcast brought to you by Cityco, the city centre management company for Manchester and Salford, into our series, Life in a Time of Coronavirus. Again, as usual, apologies for the audio. It's all done over Zoom, though our friends at Blueprint Studio will be doing their best. And a usual reminder that events are moving so fast that this might already be out of date when it's published. So today I'm talking to Esme Ward, who's the director of Manchester Museum, who, if you might remember, if you've been a loyal listener, we talked to back on episode 30 or so around uh, her role, around where the museum was going and around their huge new capital projects. Uh, The museum was, of course, uh, closed as part of uh, the lockdown for coronavirus. So I wanted to talk to her about what they've been doing since, what they've been doing to increase access to their collections uh, and how it's affected their business. I hope you enjoy. Cool. So uh, thank you for talking to us, Esme. Um, To start with a question I'm asking everybody then, uh, what has your last two, three weeks been like? Oh, well, I guess like everyone, it's it's. It's been a bit surreal, um, really. I, I feel like we have sort of lurched from um, uh, kind of disbelief and uh, a crisis management one minute to um, feeling a bit bored, not quite sure what we should be doing the next. Um, uh, a huge sense of responsibility around a uh, fantastic team at the museum and the volunteers and stuff, and then these collections. So at Manchester Museum, we um, quite unusually for a museum, we have live collections, um, uh, which obviously we uh, we need to feed every day. So just some logistical challenges. And I guess it's kind of this weird mix of quite micro um, detail that you have to resolve. And then you sort of, the, the enormity of what's happening dawns on you, which is macro and, and sort of feeling this zooming in and out. So, I mean, I will say that, that you know, none of us, we're all making it up as we go along. None of us know how to do this. Um, uh, but that actually both, both colleagues, so the team at the museum, they have been fantastic um and and ultimately for me this is just around all of us just being quite kind to each other we've got lots of different ways of handling this you know if you are trying to do any kind of working from home with toddlers um it's hard work um so i guess uh human first i would say um uh but also really for us you know we, we run museums, we run, we, you know, our lives are about people connecting with us and our collections. And so actually, you feel strangely purposeless. Um, and, and it's a weird thing when you know that actually kind of your, perhaps the most useful thing you can do is stay at home um, and uh, at the moment. Um, so we've been reaching out to our community partners we work with and, and, you know, we've done what lots of museums have done and distributed our PPE to, you know, mustard tree or frontline services. But actually, it, it, it doesn't feel a huge amount, um, to be honest. So, um, so I guess we've been thinking, uh, what can we do? Uh, as a museum um, and we've been trying to put some energy and get a sense of purpose around that. Cool. Um, did you did you remind me did you take the decision to shut the museum or, or did, did that come through as the the government decision at that that point? Um, you, were so you already there? We, 
we were already there um, and the university was already there, actually. So we we shot on the Tuesday evening, which was um, uh, later, uh, sorry, um, earlier than, than lots of museums, but I think probably reflected what was happening in the city. Um, and it just, yeah, it just, it seemed very obvious that that was the right time to do it. So, um, yeah, yeah. And, and have I you think had- it's only, only a couple of weeks ago, although it feels a lifetime ago. <laughs> um, and then have you had to put staff on furlough and going through that process? No, so we haven't got staff on furlough, partly because we're not really eligible for furlough in the way, say, theatres or some of the commercial organisations are, because so much of our money comes through public funding. So, um, uh, you know, we're a university museum. So actually, with staff, they are either, um, uh, we've adapted really well to working at home or they're being redeployed to help support some of the brilliant work that's happening across the university, um, whether that's around creating testing centres, thinking about how we're supporting the students who are still in the city. Mm. So we're being kind of redeployed in those areas if there isn't useful uh, work for staff to do that's museum related. Okay. And then, of course, the other, the other thing, which we talked about last time you were on the podcast, at about number 25 or something, I think it was, um, you just started a huge, well, fairly recently started a huge capital project as well. So has yeah. that been del- is that going to be delayed? Are people off-site there? Um, so that will almost certainly be delayed, although hopefully not for too long. Um, uh, so we have a very large hole in the ground. I mean, I'll be honest, at the moment it looks like building the most gorgeous Lido um, outside <laughs> the museum. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, um, it, actually, we, we have Care Construction, who are our um, construction partners. And I guess we're quite unusual because actually we are still, uh, it's still an external site. So um, we're just coming to a break in our kind of building work anyway, which was always there until the steel comes on site. So for us, we've got a kind of natural break in our work. Um, and, and I think we've got the sort of site where actually the social distancing is doable. I think many sites, particularly if they're internal, it's much more difficult. So for us, yeah, there will be definitely a delay in the in the project. I think at this stage, we don't know how much that's going to be. Um, uh, we'll, time will tell, but we, we hope not too much. Um, so you talked about, I, mean, I can't imagine how quickly you, you and your staff must then have moved to say, okay, well, we're closing. We don't know how long we're going to be closed for. Uh, but we want to maintain um, our usefulness to our community and to continue to build that community and and probably even extend it. So um, talk me through that process. Was that that a matter of, and where did you end up with in, in terms of the projects that you then started to look at launching? Yeah, well, actually, I mean, it's kind of interesting. So I... I don't think we we did move that quickly, actually. What we did is we, um, I'd said to everyone, let's just take a week. Just take a week to do what you need to do in your lives. (laughs) You know, with your family, setting up a workspace at home, clearing out a corner of the kitchen or whatever you need to do. Um, uh, and, And actually, rather than kind of rush in and suddenly think, God, we've got to do this digital, we've got to do that digital, you know... I'll be honest, museums aren't known for their speed. Um, uh, That would have been really challenging. So actually, um, what we did is instead we just said, let's just take a bit of a breath and let's look at what we've already got. 
because actually Manchester Museum's been going for a long time and actually it's done loads of resources and work digitally but it's hidden. It was hidden in our website. I would defy you to find it. So actually, instead, what we decided to do was not produce loads of new content, but actually hopefully be smart about the content we've got uh, and curate it, um, organize it, and create a microsite that would just be a mobile site that would actually Manchester Museum in quarantine and would bring together all of the digital resources we already had, but kind of reshape them and repackage them so they speak to this moment. So instead of having endless educational resources, you would very clearly say, these are great resources if you're homeschooling, or, you know, these are the resources we have for carers, or these are our exhibitions, actually. They were pretty, the current exhibitions we've got were all digitized in some shape or form, let's just put them all online and, and, and organize them in this way. So we are now starting to develop a few more resources that will come online in the next few weeks and months. But actually, um, most of what's on our website existed already. I think we've just hopefully been a bit smarter about how we present that. Um, and then the new thing we did, which, um, again, isn't a massive um, amount of work, but just needed a bit of thinking, was we just kept thinking, what do people need? You know, do they need a million and one more uh, resources? How, how are they going to navigate those? So we're an encyclopedic museum, um, four and a half million objects from all over the world. Um, and actually, one of the things that we've been talking to lots of people, lots of partners, lots of our visitors, what do you need? A lot of them have said, actually, what we really like is we'd like a bit of hope. Um, we'd like a bit of awe, a bit of wonder, uh, bite size. Um, just be yourselves. Do what you guys do. You know, you're good for random facts that we didn't know that we needed to know. Um, so we just created an encyclopedia. And every day on social media around two o'clock, we, um, we post uh, a new wondrous object from the museum's collections. And we, do you know what? We embrace our inner nerds. <laughs> so yeah, it was the Manchester Square more- yesterday, wasn't it, I think? Yeah, and um, uh, today, I haven't seen it yet today, but I saw that get retweeted heavily. Um, really, yeah, a lot of people yeah. interested. So, well, you know what's great? We're learning loads about what um, what people are interested in. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, I'll be honest; it's a bit of competition among curators around certain collections, having more, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of uh, more more um, interest than others. But um, it's also. I think it's the way, you know, we're storytellers. Um, uh, Museums love telling stories. So for us to be able to not just kind of share an object visually, but then also to be able to share some stories and and actually particularly stories which are around contemporary relevance of those objects. So at the beginning of the week, we had a, a mammoth tooth from Crestwall Crags in Derbyshire extraordinary object and Cresswell Crags is an amazing uh, prehistoric site that is actually fighting for its survival at the moment so for us this was a great way also just to say you know this is heritage at risk what can you do to support that so so that's what we'll be doing every day we'll just be sharing a, a different object and um, being being nerdy yeah <laughs> I'm proud do you, do you think what you might learn from how people I mean I think I think it's interesting what you were saying um, obviously, there's been a process over the last decade, probably even more than a decade, in terms of conversations around digitizing 
resources, mm. digitizing collections and so on. And, and some uh, museums and galleries, particularly those who are well funded, um, have done that pretty comprehensively, but not always well in terms of being able to access it by by people. Um, I, I was shown uh, my ki my kids and I are, tr are trying well as a, an excuse, accepting that they're going to mong in front of YouTube, um, but trying to do an educated half hour where we look at you know a virtual tour of something or whatever, and then they yeah. can go back to yeah. whoever it is that they're talking to talking about um and you know looking at the google tour around the british museum which is stunning and beautiful yeah. but it's not annotated so you can't actually see the labels and you, you, you sort of think just with just that five percent more effort yeah the, the photography in it is absolutely yeah. astounding yeah. Yeah. but it's yeah. like well i'm pretty good on Assyrian history for various reasons <laughs> but even i couldn't quite remember which king that was and which king that was you know um, and you sort of think oh, that extra bit so I mean, and I'm fascinated, you know, and you've seen so many, particularly American museums who've, who've had huge investment in digitizing the collections, but then mm -hmm. have done it just as a, a sort of CD or a DVD of, of, yeah. of lots of pieces yeah. of art. Do you think that this, uh, this could be an opportunity to learn how people really use that sort of digital aspect of the museum and use those collections? I really hope it is, you know, um, um, and I, I, I think it's interesting because I, I completely agree. So I, I love, you know, there's a great hashtag museum from home or, you know, there's a whole load of them. They're wonderful, but they are predominantly visual. Mm. And, um, uh, and, and I, I, I get that. And, and they're really fun. But actually, for me, one of the things museums do is they make our understanding of the world a bit more complex. You know, you can go deeper. And, and you can do that in all sorts of different ways. So, you know, our, our Beauty and the Beast exhibition, um, which is all about falling in love with insects, um, beautiful, visually stunning, but actually also full of science. You can, interesting, we're a university museum, so there's research, but also we want to be a multilingual museum. It's really important to us to be inclusive. So that if you go online, that will be there. It will be there translated. I think it's into 13 different languages. There's BSL captions as well. And I think you're right about that, just going the extra mile. So my thing is museums have got all this content. What we need to do is maybe not do quite so much breadth and do more depth mm. and actually really get the most out of that content we possibly can and then open up the conversation so that others, you know, the thing I love about social media is your visitors know more about stuff than you do, always. So actually, you can open up that conversation and start to really um, uh, add to our collective understanding of what these collections mean or this object might be. So for me, that's what I really hope. I think from the stats and the data, I mean, I was looking at some of the data earlier and even in a week, I think we've our website's been seen by people in 56 different countries. You know, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. You can learn a lot about who's connecting with you. But I hope that also we might be able to take some of that learning and actually that is, it's got to shape what the museum is in the future. I mean, who quite knows what people are going to want from their museums and cultural institutions? You know, what will social distancing look like in the future in a museum if that's how we're going to all be for a while, you know? So I guess we're asking what might Manchester need Manchester Museum to be mm. in the future and I think anything we can do now 
to get us starting thinking about that and start having those conversations, it's it's got to be worthwhile. You know, it's 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 what we're there for. Uh, museums always change to um, meet the needs of its city. This is this is going to be no different. We don't know. <laughs> and and I, I yes. guess there is. I mean, after we keep talking about after, not knowing quite yeah. when that's going to be. Um, I mean, I think last yeah. time we talked about Manchester Museum and, and its sort of role as as you know the soul of. The city in in a lot of ways yeah. um not, not least because so many generations have gone and gone and visited yeah um and you know you, you sort of get the sense that when as people start to come out, out of isolation there will be an importance to places like the museum to to revisit whether people will be allowed to in in the numbers will be will be a fascinating yeah. thing i one of the interesting i guess opportunities for you guys as well as you i mean you you've done so much work and your creators have done so much work around some issues around um you know returning objects to indigenous communities and so mm-hmm. on and actually that that ability to bring together exhibitions of yeah. objects from around the world and collections from around yeah. the world so actually the fact that this object doesn't need to be cited physically in manchester anymore it could be now yeah. buried back in a grave wherever yeah. it would be with aboriginal people yeah. in australia that opportunity potentially is huge then that you can say well we, do we really need this physical object here because we can document it in a very different way and tell that story in a very different way Absolutely. You know, that kind of sense for how you display absence. Uh, And again, it goes down to those narratives and those stories. I mean, one of the things that I'm quite interested in, and, and it might develop in our work is, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the different responses to COVID-19. And, and, you know, this morning I was talking to someone in Bangladesh who was telling me how they're responding there. And actually it really strikes me that everybody, you know, all these different countries responding in different ways, we've actually all become quite nationalistic in our responses. And so a museum like Manchester, which is, you know, it's, it's collections from all over the world. We have relationships all over the world. I just wonder whether that kind of global connectedness and empathy that the the museum at its best can do. You know, I think they can be empathy machines when they're done well. I think there might be a particular space uh, and need for that moving forwards. So, yeah, I think I think the digital's not going away, you know. I mean, if, if, if museums have got this sense, which I, I don't think they have, but I think if there's a sense that we can go back to business at usual, as usual, I, I think we're being a bit delusional. Um, uh, this, this will change us, but it's got to change us for the better. Digital's amazing. Um, but, you know, we also have to acknowledge not everyone has digital. So, you know, I've got colleagues who've been in the museum this week packaging um, a whole host of um, uh, stuff from our shop and all sorts of resources and others to distribute to families who maybe haven't got those yeah. digital connections. You know, that's that's our work. So, yeah, I think we're just, um, uh, we're feeling our way through it and, and we'll... We'll try stuff and some stuff will work and some stuff won't. Um, my favourite thing I've seen a museum do in the last week, actually, is um, the very brilliant Field Museum in Chicago um, on Twitter um, has shown it. You can just also have loads of fun. So they've just done a show us your cat's best impression of a dinosaur, which clearly <laughs> is ridiculous, but also genius. Um, uh, and actually, it's a way for them to engage all sorts of people with their extraordinary dinosaur collections. So I, I hope museums <laughs> just grab the opportunities. They're really good. They're really fun. I hope museums grab the opportunities to don't don't try and do what you always do. You know, um, 
and 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 just uh, see what we learn. Be open to what we might learn from this. Excellent. And where can people go to uh, see the various things that you're putting up and, and learn more? So um, they can go to the new mobile site, which is www.mminquarantine.com, um, or if you just Google Manchester Museum in Quarantine. Um, and we're on Twitter uh, and um, Instagram, and it's at MCRM, no, MCR Museum. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much indeed. Pleasure.